Yep, saying it's recording. Cool. Good. There we go. Awesome. Okay, so I just want to say that I'm very excited to meet you and that uh, I've read up a lot about you and I see so much of what you've done and accomplished already. So seeing that you're the author of The Guidance Groove, Escape Unproductive Habits, Trust Your Intuition, and Be True. Those are three things that just like call my name and I've read the, the subtitles and all the other information about it. And I was like, this is going to be something so profound that people need to hear. Um, and I also saw that you are a biology professor holding degrees in a, a million different things. So we have German literature, zoology, wildlife, fishery sciences, and a PhD in ecology, evolution, and behavior. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a lot so of well. Yeah, so one of the first things that I thought when I was reading your bio and I saw all of these like external things, kind of like studying the outside world, it's like, okay, so what was that bridge of like, you know, learning all about the external and then writing a book about something that's so inward, like your intuition? Yeah. That's a, a fabulous question because honestly, that has been the... Um, the most interesting part of the journey maybe for me is because I present as this, I'm a scientist, right? I'm a scientist. We gather data, we analyze data. It's very logical. It's very in the mental. It's very in the mind. But the entire time I've been alive, I've had this internal way of blowing through life that, mm -hmm. that I, that some people knew about, like the really close people, but most people didn't because trained to hide that part of ourselves and just, Oh yeah external present the logic and humans really value and praise rationality and logic and um, moving through the world in a way that uses your brain to make decisions and that's great your brain is an amazing tool mm -hmm. make science problems and whatever but but really if you want to be in the world as an integrated person you have to rely on all of your body all of your feeling all of everything that's going on or else you're ignoring huge chunks of data mm -hmm. be using right so so it's not even there's not even a bridge between like science and and internal or science and spiritual it's just if you're an integrated human it doesn't matter how you make your living if, if you're only doing it with this much of your body you're mm -hmm. out so so the whole process of writing this down and reading the group was a process of coming out of hiding in a way mm -hmm. this is really me and yeah. and this is how i this is how i live this is how i flow through life and maybe that expression can be useful to other people and it, the intersection of you know, working with we were just talking before we started about these amazing young people i get to work with at uc san diego as their professor and just seeing how they struggle with this flow and with this yeah. and all the pressure and mental constructs that they have created in their short 20 years of this, mm -hmm. that they actually believe in their heads all the time and, and allowing them, inviting them to let some of that go and really start to integrate. Even though they are scientists, I teach biology majors, even though they yeah. are scientists, that giving them permission to those whole humans and i think that's actually kind of exciting to see a person who is accomplished in the external world as a scientist mm -hmm. he also is fully integrated with parts inside of her and spirituality yeah. and all of that other stuff it, it gives them permission to also 
be that. They don't have to be the stereotypical all in my brain um, automaton science yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's I think how it kind of intersects and I just my my love of nature. I'm not sure if that was my computer. My love of nature um, is why I'm a conservation biologist, right? Mm-hmm. I want to conserve the planet. And what the peace and goodness I get when I'm immersed in nature is mm-hmm. very similar to connecting with one's guidance. And so it's a nice, sweet intersection of how to spend my time on the planet while I'm here for, you know, 80 years or whatever. And then, you know, doing a job in the world to, to do better and then also inviting people to be more integrated. And And one more thing I'll say about that is every single time I teach a science class, the last thing I I do before I start to speak is I always ask spirit, the universe, whatever. Okay. Let me get out of the way. So whatever needs to come through me can come through. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like ecology and evolution and conservation. Yeah. I'm still cognizant that there's some message that can come through anytime we connect with another human. Always. Sometimes it's getting Carolyn out of the way so that whatever needs to come through can come through. And so I'm teaching all my science classes in that connected, integrated manner. So it's just seamless to finally bring this book on board to, to like just bridge that gap, I guess. Yeah. I love that because I feel the same way. I'm a yoga teacher. So for me, I'm kind of like, I go into this space where I'm like, okay, I am not the one who's telling you what to do. I am just like the channel for what they need to hear. And sometimes I'll be like picking up specific things that people in my class need to hear. And I don't even, I just feel myself like gravitating towards, okay, this person is going through like a transition, a change, whatever it may be. And I feel myself just like really talking and focused on that. And at the end, always that person is like, wow, that was really like powerful. That's exactly what I needed. And it's because I took the time to take me out of the way. Yes. And you, and you you felt, you, you, you knew that that inspiration to move toward whatever you were supposed to say to them, you, you followed that, you trusted it, you went with it. Even if you were like, oh, that's going to seem weird if I say that, or that logically makes sense. That's the guidance group is getting this part out of the way. So you can tap into what is constantly available to you to push you in the right direction. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and you're doing that in yoga. And and it's so cool that you yoga is like this place where people expect that type of behavior to manifest. Yeah. But it's less expected like in a science course. Oh yeah. from their professor. And so that's part of, you know, you you're in this beautiful space where you already have permission to be that. And so mm-hmm. like again, the guidance group kind of bridges the gap where we all have permission. We don't just have to be in an awesome yoga class. Mm-hmm. Gabriella and be in a whatever in a mundane everyday sort of experience and still have that and follow it yeah Um, I think that your book is going to be a really good bridge for kids that are like really held on to that identity of I'm supposed to be a science major I'm supposed to go by the facts because oftentimes your book and intuition and things like that are seen as this abstract thing that doesn't may not have evidence Um, and I think that could cause a lot of inner conflict for students that are in that so a yeah. big uh, congrats to you because that's going to cause such an inspiration for students that are in that limbo of which direction do I need to be pulled in? Well, you don't have to be pulled in a direction. You can just come into your center and invite both worlds. So, I well, and, and I'm gonna, I'll just say one more thing because you just said something really important: is people who need to, to collect data and, and 
you know, have their logic sort of fed. That's all great because sometimes your guidance will be pushing you to do something and, and you're like, really? I don't know. That just seems so wacky. And so sometimes you need to spend a minute and get some more logical data to help Mm -hmm. bolster that feeling you're getting from your guidance. And then the second thing I'll say about gathering data is every single time you follow your guidance or you don't follow your guidance, write down what happened because that's data collection, right? So Mm -hmm. you tell your person in your yoga class that you suspect is going through a transition and then they tell you that's exactly what I needed to hear. Oh, another piece of data that I really can always trust that intuition. I can trust it and, and the outcomes will start to add up. And Mm -hmm. if you don't trust your intuition, what happens? Well, the outcome wasn't so great. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. data. Yeah. Yeah. Write it down. And then you can start to really believe in this process and trust it because you, people need to see that it's actually real and true and happening in their lives. And these, these like collections of stories and data points help buoy that trust and, and, mm-hmm. and make us be able to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great tool that we can use just everyone in an everyday life of, oh, I had this feeling arise. I'm going to write down what happens after that because yeah. sometimes the hardest thing is monitoring, especially I, I did have an episode on it. I don't know if it's one you listened to, but the difference between kind of like intuition and anxiety, because they can yes. sometimes be, am I overthinking this situation or yes. is my, is my guidance telling me, Oh no, no, we, we can't go out tonight because there's whatever is happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I wanted to ask you how you use your intuition besides through like the channeling and stuff in your everyday life. Um, so for me, it's almost ridiculous because I, I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I use it, I use it all the time. Okay. So it's time for lunch. What, what does my body need? I, mm-hmm. I'm constantly checking in and I think, so that that's the short answer is that it's just a constant process of checking in because I think it's become so automatic. So yeah. I, of course we still have personalities, thoughts come in that, that, you know, are not true. So it's basically the thought comes in that's trying to derail your, your following your flow or your guidance. And then it's, well, can you, can you recognize the falseness of that thought? Well, it might take you an hour or two weeks or maybe just five minutes or maybe five seconds. So it's it's that recognition. Is the thought coming in true? Why is it not true? Can we go toward that fear that might be driving that untrue thought and work through it and maybe it takes two seconds or maybe it takes a week of journaling or a week of bicycle rides to kind of work it out so so that's sort of the process of um kind of just checking in is a constant constant thing for me even for very mundane choices but the but like the process it so in the book I tell a story of trying to decide if I'm going to speak at my dad's funeral. And my dad mm-hmm. passed away a couple of years ago. Of course, we had to postpone the funeral because of COVID. And I wanted I wanted to speak at his funeral. But I wanted to be sure that was the right thing. And a lot of the times when I have these bigger questions, the way I connect most with my guidance is through movement. So maybe this mm-hmm. happens for you in yoga, but like I ride my bicycle or I row mm-hmm. on a machine or I walk on the beach. Just movement helps to kind of quiet everything down, gets me in my body, and I can really feel into different scenarios. And so yeah. I, re- I remember trying to decide about my dad's funeral and and riding my bicycle and just quieting everything down and actually visually picturing different scenarios. Okay, I'm going to speak at his funeral. How does that feel? How does it feel to have people looking at me? How does it feel 
to know they might be thinking this or this or this. Okay, now picture the opposite. I don't speak. I'm safe in my seat just watching other people speak. How does that feel? And you that's one like concrete way of working through bigger bigger questions or bigger choices. I love it's that. Actually, yeah, and then you and you are, your body gives you so much data. Like yeah. sometimes you'll get you'll even get like a full body yes or a mm -hmm. full body no and you're like, "Oh." And I even sometimes you'll get a voice. Like I remember the first time I saw my former husband, I walked into this um uh brew pub that my best friend at the time she was there with him they were hanging out I saw him from across the room and literally the thought in my head was oh shit the life you know is over like it's oh, over. Wow. this this life is now and I was like so wow. with chills and so sometimes it's that clear and other times it takes a little mm -hmm. more thinking through and kind of weeding through the fears in your brain and and mm -hmm. enough, you know we were meant to be together and we went through a ton of stuff together. We, we divorced eventually, but he lives two blocks away and we're like best friends and we have oh. a together. And, and that, so it's, a, of course that was meant to be like, there's yeah. where that comes from, but those are the voices. Sometimes it could be that strong or sometimes it can be really subtle yeah. but the processes and, and everyone's process is different. You probably have a process for oh, yeah. listening and listening. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone has their own thing. Even if they don't recognize it, people yeah. might be like, oh, I'm really, I need to go on a walk. I need to think it out. Yeah. But like, yeah. what are you doing? Are you going on a walk or are you like turning your attention inward? You're putting your phone away to listen to you instead yes. of listening to the outside world. Absolutely. So one of the biggest parts of like um, nourishing your inner guidance is listening yes. inward and maybe taking away a little bit more of the outside noise and just, just letting it be outside for a moment and then saying, you know what, I need to listen to what's going on in here. I know yeah. the other day I was having a little bit of like a situation where I was all frazzled in my mind and I was like, I could like I, my immediate response was I want to call my friends. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want outside advice. I want to sit there and I want to just look at the water and I want to think, what, what do I know? What do I know? Because we already know a lot of the things that we're asking other people. We're just asking for that clarity. We're changing our questions to get that answer because we already know it. We just yeah. sometimes feel a little safer getting it from something external. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, oh gosh, you said something that really resonated. Now it's totally floated away, but maybe we'll come back. That's back. okay. If it yeah. comes, don't feel free to interrupt and tell me because I'd be dying to hear it. My next question that I had was, um, was the evolution of like kind of finding that intuition and that like inner guidance, was it a slow process for you or did it kind of like one situation hit you like a truck and it all kind of like exploded? Like how was that unfolding process for you? That is such a great question because honestly, when I looked, so in, in thinking about this book and how I, how could I be of service to mm -hmm. whatever the message was that needed to come through me? I really thought about well, what do you do in your life and how do you live your life? And I realized I've been doing this my whole life. Like yeah. I, I was the person who, um, if a situation felt wrong or bad, I just bailed. It was very mm -hmm. easy for me as a child or as a teenager to just be in what I knew would be good for me. Wow. And, and I don't know why that is. I have a grace. All I can come up with is grace. Why mm -hmm. do some people, why can some people find that and some people can't? I All I know is it has to just be grace because it's nothing mm -hmm. I did. And and then just sort of building on that. Oh, 
when something feels bad, you know, it's not good for you. You don't do it. That was just Mm -hmm. really obvious. And my parents weren't like moralistic or whatever. I was raised in a church, but it was the Catholic church with a very liberal priest and lots of Mm -hmm. love and, and connection. And I'm no longer affiliated with any religion, but, but I think part of that giving that a name as a child oh that must Mm -hmm. be god or that must be spirit talking that that helped me trust that voice as a child and because i could give it this sort of external name like you were talking about going external and then as as you evolve as a human or as i evolve i realized well you don't have to externalize that it's truly Mm -hmm. in every single alive thing that spirit that that spark that radiance and and so just recognizing, looking back on my childhood, oh, I always had that voice. I just mm-hmm. know the, the particulars of it. And I yeah. can think of specific situations in my childhood that could have gone south, but they didn't because I knew, okay, step back, um, listen to that voice, be true to that. And for some yeah. reason, I had the bravery to do that. And it didn't cost me friends or, you know, whatever. I, I, yeah. I, I so who knows but that's always been with me but that's the thing i think it's with everyone from the moment you arrive on the planet yeah and it's just it just gets um hidden and crusted over with thoughts and untrue stories and beliefs mm-hmm. society and our parents and ourselves put on ourselves yeah. to kind of crust over that beautiful like true radiance and yeah no i completely and, agree yeah, because following that guidance, especially in the face of, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. Following that anyway takes a mm-hmm. certain amount of not giving a shit what other people think of you. Yeah. You you know you're staying true. And um, so, yeah, I just, I think I've had it. And I see in my son, he has it too. Like, and so somehow it didn't get crusted over. And my parents didn't wreck it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it just somehow, I yeah. don't know. It's, but like I said, it's just grace and everyone can learn to reconnect with it. Even if yeah. you think you had it as a child, it does not matter. It's not special. Mm-hmm. It's everyone has it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I think, um, I know you talk about authenticity in your book and I want to touch on that too, but that's yeah. one of the things that I think is so important for people to kind of recognize through like healing because right now healing is such a common idea which is awesome but i think a lot of times it gets confused with we need to get from like point a which is here all the way up to point b but sometimes we have to it's not all about learning new things it's about unlearning so much that we were taught and kind of like shedding that yes shedding those things that we don't need anymore the things that we were taught or even though the things that we were told to suppress at one point, because we were all that kid that maybe I personally believe that kids have the power to kind of connect to the other side. I think oh, yeah. Parents may be like, you're not, you're hearing things. There's no one here. But if that gets suppressed so much, you start to believe, okay, I'm, that's not real. That's not real. I'm not going to keep nourishing that and maintaining it. So I think someone in that situation could really gain a lot from unlearning rather than learning because they already have it just mm-hmm. unlearning no that isn't fake that isn't you know an abstract thing that is real so yes. and reminding it. people that if they don't feel like if they don't feel like they don't have connection to guidance or whatever first of all convincing them that that's just nonsense everyone has it but also mm-hmm. nothing is wrong with them 
society has trained you away from <laughs> believing in yourself. Society, yes. parents has trained you. So like you said, it's time to now unlearn, deprogram, unlearn that training. Yeah. And it's not that's not that it's bad or that it's on purpose. Yeah. It's just what happens in the society. And and you were saying that beautiful thing about children. And I just feel so sad that that you're right. I think it gets trained out of them to have that more open fluid connection with mm -hmm. other realities my own son when he was two it was like two and a half i was making dinner in the kitchen we were living in santa barbara because i was doing my postdoc at uc santa barbara and he's my mom had given us a cd of of songs from the revolutionary war that my mm -hmm. grandma had a record of when we were kids and i had put it on and these revolutionary war songs were playing and my son snaps to attention when the song comes on, grabs a snorkel. We had a snorkel sitting that he had been playing with in the living room. Yeah. Grabs the snorkel, runs into the kitchen and yells, mama, I'm out of powder. I'm out of powder. And he's like shaking the snorkel like it was a, a gun, like a oh rifle. My goodness. Yeah. And I'm like, powder? We don't use powder in this house. Yeah. And then I, it clicked in. He thinks this is a gun. Oh the revolutionary goodness. song is playing on the CD player. It triggered something in him. He, I, so I grabbed the snorkel. I pretended to fill it with powder, like I remember mm -hmm. seeing it, like a movie. Yeah, I'm, like yeah. putting fake powder in and tamping it down. I hand it back the snorkel. I go, "You're, you're good now. Go." And he runs back into the living room, climbs up on the side arm of the couch, which he had never done. It's suddenly his horse, and mm -hmm. he's running off with this gun. All of it triggered by this music. Wow. I'm like, holy shit, this kid, did he just remember a past experience Yeah, that he can still connect with because he's only two and a half? And yeah. I just went with it and didn't try to stop it or change it or anything. And so there's, I believe there's something about that porous. Kids are porous still. They can still, yeah. and you're right, that freaks parents out. So maybe they're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So it's awesome that you were so like uh, in on it with him and gave him the powder and all of yeah. that. Like, he probably got to fulfill such a weird part that like most parents would be like, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. But I think it's fascinating that you were even able to make that connection between this snorkel being his gun and the revolutionary war that's so cool it was so weird it like took me a second but i'm like wait a minute the song is playing he's never done this before this is the snorkel's never been a gun for it was just so it was click, click yeah all to say i do think kids have some sort of connection that we don't know and that it just kind of loses like maybe brain development makes them lose it i don't know or maybe yeah. they don't want to do it if they're lucky yeah yeah no, I completely agree. Um, so how do you think that Guidance Groove, the book, um, promotes authenticity? Like, how do you suggest people can implement it through the smallest things? It doesn't always have to be this big revolutionary change, but but what do you think people can do on an everyday basis through the little decisions to kind of, you know, nourish and maintain that authenticity? Yeah, so it's so interesting. So I am a data person and I did some, a little bit of research before I started, um, when, when I was getting into this book. And one thing that kept coming up was, it's not about, the, one thing that kept coming up was authenticity, being authentic, which, which means portraying to the outside world what's true for you on the inside, right? It's coming mm -hmm. out of hiding. That is highly correlated to 
greater contentment and ease and even happiness and joy. So mm -hmm. being, being true to that part of you inside. Now, something that everyone wants to be that because that's our natural way of being, right? But what happens is, we talked about this before, we get we get tricked into believing the stories our brain tells us. So, so, so the book outlines four unproductive grooves that people get stuck in that are built by these untrue stories. And those unproductive grooves are inauthenticity. So you could be an in, uh, sorry, inadequacy. So you could be in an inadequate groove. You you believe mm -hmm. you're inadequate to the task before you, or maybe you are inadequate to the task. So you want to drive attention away from that. And yeah. you're, you're afraid people will discover your inadequacy. So you're constantly creating things to, to divert attention away from your perceived inadequacy. And the second is obligation. You're, you're obligated to do these things. You get your self-worth from fulfilling these obligated duties. Mm -hmm. And the third is the third is scarcity, a belief in scarcity where you believe that resources are scarce, even if you're surrounded by abundance. And it could be money or love or respect or whatever it is. You don't believe in abundance. And then the last one is the saddest for me to to really experience and delve into is the unworthiness groove or the unworthy mm. groove, where you don't believe you're good enough you're yeah. to to partake in the goodness of the world and you're afraid that people will discover your shame. So all of those unproductive grooves are built from stories that aren't true. And that's what blocks authenticity. So the simplest way for people to be more authentic and get in touch with their authenticity is in every situation that arises before you is instead of sinking back into that automatic unproductive groove way of thinking mm -hmm. oh i'm a, i'm a victim here or i'm 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 a martyr in this situation or i'm i'm a loner or i'm i'm a ghost like a lot of unworthy people turn themselves into ghosts because they yeah. don't want to be seen instead of going to those places which mask your authenticity it's stop and just take one moment to give yourself permission to ask is this even true yeah. Is this true? And wait a minute, that's not really the spark inside me. It's not, I am not, I might be inadequate. Say you really are inadequate for a job that someone's given you rather mm -hmm. than bluster and take, you know, try and get people to not notice that. What if instead you paused and said to the person, you're maybe your boss, I'm not ready for this. I want to do this task can you help me get ready? Your most authentic self is afraid you're not going to complete the task well because you're not ready. So instead of trying to distract from that, be authentic and be like, you know what? I'm not quite ready. Can we get, yeah. some, can I get some help? Can I, and it's being, it's, it's allowing yourself to be vulnerable to whatever that person's reaction is going to be to you expressing your authenticity. Mm -hmm. it's, it's stopping the stories and then allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And that requires so much bravery. Yeah. And, and that's the other beautiful part is you were talking about just small steps. Something like the guidance groove, it's so wonderful because you can do it every second of every day. And you mm -hmm. can, so you're constantly getting the opportunity to practice, 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 practice. And you're constantly getting the opportunity to if you don't hit the mark, if you miss the mark, oh, no big deal. You just learn, write down what happened when you didn't follow your guidance. Well, 
this happened. It wasn't mm-hmm. so great. What could have maybe happened if I had followed it? Okay, I now have new data. Let's do it again. Let's yeah. try it again. And so it's just constant. It doesn't have to be, oh, I transformed my life. Everything's great. It's a constant action through the world of taking a moment. What's really, what's my head telling me? Is that bullshit? Oh, yes, it is. Go into your body and move forward from, with all of the data, you know, and it, it's these tiny, it could be tiny. It doesn't have to be the big decisions. You can yeah. work up to them. It can yeah. be the small decisions. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes I'll be working at my computer, my off or my desk is over there on the other side of the room. I'm sitting at my um, kitchen table and um, I'll just get this guidance. Go outside on your porch right now. I'm like, what? I mean, mm-hmm. I go outside on my porch and my best friend who lives across the street is walking by. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to connect with you. I mean, it can be that ridiculous, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's tiny, that's inconsequential. I either go on my porch or I don't. And yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I love like, that. It doesn't because have to be these big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people see intuition as like this really big, you're drawn to like one job or this is my my big direction. This is like my person. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. it's like, do I want a cookie or do I want cake? It's like, what does my intuition tell me I want? You know, it's just yes. listening. It all comes down to just listening to what's within. And one of the things you talked about is vulnerability, which is, boom, huge topic. Um, yeah. And one of the like really personal questions that I have is, do you ever feel resistance to vulnerability? Because sometimes I find myself in this situation where I know what the right, the right thing to do is, or the more aligned thing to do is with my best self, but there's still a part of me that's almost like, no, no, we don't want to do it. Like, I know I should do it. And every part of my genuine self is, is trying to get there, but there's this other side that's like, pulling me back it literally feels like like a weight pulling me and it's there's like such a strong resistance so do you ever feel that and what how do you get past that absolutely but before we go on to me i want to follow up with something you said so when you feel this pull and you're like oh i can't do it i just i can't i i'm not it's too, it's too scary or whatever it is mm-hmm. what happens in your life does your life then ratchet up and it's like oh we're going to gently knock on Gabriella's door and be like, Hey, come, come do this thing. You know, it's right. And you're like, I can't, I can't. Okay. So then does it pound on the door, does it knock the door down with the sledgehammer? And then does it come into your house and pick you out of bed and throw you into the wall? Right. Wait, so, yes. Yes. So escalate. Yes. Now you're yes. like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'll do yeah. it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like then I'm put in this extreme situation. Like, yes. I know I should be vulnerable in this situation, but for yeah. some reason I'm sitting there with my arms crossed. I'm like, nope, I'm yes. not going to do it. Yes. And then a few days later, I'm hit with a challenge that's even bigger. And then if yes. I'm still like, nope, I'm not going to do it, then the biggest challenge comes in and see they're like, you're either going to be vulnerable or you're going to be kicked out of this situation. Yes, it's like life just forced me to do it. Life is tapping gently, <laughs> and then it has to punch you in the sometimes. And you're like, okay, fine. And yeah. um, yes, I have those. Yes. And let me just tell you, with experience, that has diminished because mm-hmm. now I know more. But I will, tell you this, I will tell you this story. So I told this story at the beginning of this lovely thing where I walk in, I see my future husband and I'm like, 
your life as you know it is over. Okay, so then fast forward. So we go on our first date. It was it was totally great. And I at the end at the beginning of the date, he's like, Do you want to have children? I'm like, no way, I can't stand children. They're so annoying. <laughs> end of the date, I said, I'm going to have children with you. And luckily he was like, Oh my God, I feel the same way. But then for the next year, we proceeded to just it was the hardest relationship I ever had. It was so hard. Like I'd never had fought with anyone. I was in my thirties. I had had plenty of boyfriends and, and it was so hard. And he was like, we should probably go to a therapist. I'm like, no way that's for broken people, which is ridiculous. And, yeah. and life, life just kept ratcheting it up until I remember we had this huge fight and he wouldn't mind me telling this because he Oh scared. no, please do go for it. Uh, he would, he wouldn't mind. It's not gossip. And so I, I remember so clearly we had this huge fight and I sit, I'm sitting on the couch in our house. And by this time we had moved in together and I was like, fine, fine, fuck it. We're going <laughs> to therapy. And then we found amazing turns out she's like a buddhist based therapist who is into this amazing therapy that i can't even sorry i should probably realize what the name is but she changed our lives she wow. changed our lives and that was the beginning of i i will never forget that lesson of mm -hmm. life was trying to help me get to this path gently until it had to punch me in the face and i sat down and i said fine we're doing this and and that's sometimes what it takes but as they say in the book, it doesn't have to take. It doesn't have to. No, I don't have to do all that. Sometimes it's necessary. and We all learn the lessons we need to learn at exactly the right time we need to learn them. Definitely. I, and so I, so I always tell people there's no right or wrong way. There's nothing mm -hmm. bad. If you don't follow your guidance and you spend four years with the wrong, quote unquote, wrong person, that's not wrong or bad. You you had to go through that, I guess. Yeah. But maybe next time it won't take you four years. Maybe it will take you four weeks or four minutes to kind of recognize, oh, my guidance was actually right at the beginning and I could have listened. And mm -hmm. so, so I'm, there's all, all kinds of times when the fear of being vulnerable can threaten to derail us and stop us. Just even writing this book at now it seems ridiculous because I'm so much further along in the process. But when mm -hmm. I started this project, I was terrified of coming out to, like, say, my science colleagues as yeah. someone who lives by her guidance. That seems so crazy and woo-woo, you know? Mm -hmm. But so that was a fear of being vulnerable. But the guidance to continue and keep on this path was so strong, I couldn't mm -hmm. leave it. Yeah. And eventually, eventually that process, the grace or whatever it is, allowed me to let go of that fear of being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And now I'm talking to you and it seems totally normal to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But, but it's a process. Like you said, it's just a process. And, and you're saying, I think part of the process also is you recognize, ugh, I don't want to do this, but I know I should. I don't want to do this, but it's pulling me. And just even knowing that part of you is resisting and then that's your chance to explore. Why am I resisting? What am mm -hmm. I afraid of? And it's this great opportunity. Your body's telling you, let's investigate. Why am I resisting? And then in the investigation, you can let it go. And, yeah. and that's sort of the beautiful part. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I definitely agree with the almost like rock bottom scenario. Of, there's so many times in my life yeah. where I think I was definitely that person that I've always had that like productivity mindset of almost like 
you got to hit rock bottom. You got to burn out until you get back up. Like I'm not, I'm not going to take a break until I reach that point. And that overlapped in so many parts of my life. And I felt like if I didn't hit rock bottom, that I didn't need help. If I didn't hit rock bottom, then I don't need a break. Yeah. Um, but I think through those experiences of life, literally tap, 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 and then just breaking open the door, I finally oh. realized, okay, what can I yeah. do now to maintain it and maintain that level and give breaks and find find balance instead of having that constant crash and then skyrocket back up, crash and skyrocket back up because that's such a toll on you emotionally and mentally. I was like, I, and I think I hit rock bottom to realize that, okay, I don't yes. want to hit rock bottom anymore. I don't want to keep going through that cycle of deep yeah. darkness to have to see light again. I just want to, you know, if I drop down a little bit and see dark, that's okay, because that's normal. That's, yes. I'm not going to sit here and fight it. I think that yes. was one of the biggest issues was I would feel a little bit of darkness and I'd be scared of it instead of yeah. curious about it. Yeah. Yes. Be scared of it. Yeah. And the more fear that I had, the deeper I would go into it. But now I'm like, okay, what, why am I feeling the darkness? Where is it coming from? What is it rooted in? Is it something from the past that I'm experiencing now? Is it something happening now that I'm experiencing? So I think I've done a better job now of just being, let's look at it curiously and let's accept it yes. <laughs> instead of seeing it. That's beautiful because I think people are so worried about the darkness, quote unquote. I'm putting it in quotes mm -hmm. because yeah. it's, it, they're afraid of it. They're worried about it. They feel like if they acknowledge it, then they're going to be enveloped by it. They're going to be a bad person or a dark person or yeah. a broken person. So they want to turn away from that. But what you said is so important. It is when you get those glimpses of fear, there are these amazing invitations from mm -hmm. the universe, from your true self to go toward them. It seems counterintuitive, but the fear is this invitation. It's, it's your body. It's your, it's, it's telling you this is something that could be investigated. Mm -hmm. And and when you get to the bottom of it, each with each layer, you discover, oh, it's not dark. Yeah. It, it's it's just this, it's just what it is. And the more you investigate it, the more light gets shed on it. And then it's not even dark anymore. But if you had yeah. ignored it, then it just grows and becomes darker and meaner and mm -hmm. scarier and bigger. And you just try to ignore it. But if you look at it, and deep go into it, mm -hmm. it starts to vanish piece by piece. And it's not, it's not magic. It's no. <laughs> not, it's not even, it doesn't even have to be spiritual. If someone doesn't believe in anything other than their own entity, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of investigating. Where did that come from? Yeah. Is it true? Just th that curiosity, like you said, is so mm -hmm. beautiful. And frequently people are afraid to to investigate. And I think that the structure of like the unproductive grooves and that unproductive groove behaviors that I talk about in the book is the that just invitations to start looking at these these fears or these behaviors or whatever and start yeah. to understand if they're true. With I curiosity. Love, yeah. I love that you always call it an invitation. I was I was watching the YouTube video that you put out and I think I read I read up on your blog as well. And you always use the word invitation. And I love that because it sounds so much softer and less of like life is throwing you in a way or this book is meant to, this is a how-to book. It's not a how-to. It's just like a, like a little, a hand, like we're yes. holding hands. That's what it feels like. Like, let's go, let's go together. It feels a lot more softer and smoother and relaxed. It has such a welcoming tone to it that 
I, I appreciate it. I love that. I'm so glad because that's what it is. It's not about being perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not about, it's not even about changing your life. It's just, like you said, an invitation to consider approaching life from a place of wholeness and yeah. just feel what that might be like until maybe eventually it'll become second nature and then you can mm-hmm. live in that wholeness, um, abide in it. Um, but yeah, I like that invitation thing too. Like yeah. the language just came through me. So that was such a, that's such a great word. I liked it too. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things that you talk about is uh, false stories. And I think that really encompasses vulnerability and like the resistance that I have to vulnerability. It encompasses the opposite side of authenticity. Um, so can you explain like kind of what they are and how to go about them when you see them? Like, okay, I'm having a false story. Um, now what? <laughs> now what? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tie it to, um, so my students, one of their most common false stories is imposter syndrome and imposter mm-hmm. syndrome is when you feel as if you don't belong in the company with which you're surrounded. So in the case of um, a lot of my students, um, some of them are transfer students, say. So they've gone to a, a community college for a couple of years and they transfer into the University of California system. And I hear over and over again that when they come to this big university, they feel as if they don't belong. They're not good enough to be there. They're not worthy to be mm. there. They're, you know, they they didn't get in right away. They went to a two year for college for a little while, and they just get into their heads with this false story that they don't belong. And and it's not just students at the university. Lots of people sometimes have this imposter syndrome. Like everyone else has yeah. their their stuff together, and I don't. What am I doing here? And that's a very common false story. And so we start to break that down. And when I when I taught my seminar on that in August, um, we we really dug into that. Like, where does that come from? And is it true? And this beautiful moment happens when the students realize, oh, everyone has this to some degree at mm-hmm. some point. So if everyone has it, can it really be true? Because we're all here in this situation doing a good job or mm-hmm. doing a fine job or doing our best job. So if everyone's an imposter, that means nobody's an imposter, right? So yeah. there are these sort of false stories and there are so many of them. Some people think, um, some people think, oh, if they're stuck in like say the um, obligation groove and they think, well, if I don't do everything for everyone, then no one's going to need me. And if I'm not needed, then, I'm garbage. I'm nothing. Yeah. Right. And so that's another false story. So they, so they fill their lives up with these obligations and they're afraid to let any of them go for fear they'll lose some of their value. But that's yeah. a false story. Your children yeah. will love you. You know, they might love you more or be more mm-hmm. attracted to spending time with you if you're yeah. not constantly acting from obligated false mm-hmm. stories. And I mean, you can think of a million things that we tell ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of women, especially, I'm not beautiful enough or I'm not fill in the blank enough because we mm-hmm. get all these societal messages, false stories, right? Um, we're good enough, yeah. Yeah, or we're not good enough or um, or people who who bluster and bully because they are feeling inadequate and insecure. So they want to get mm-hmm. attention away from them and create drama, external dramas. Yeah. Um, 
that's a false story. If, if you if you just realize you are adequate, you're perfectly adequate, or if you're not, you can get help and no one's gonna, you know, kill you for it, then you can kind of break that that cycle. So mm-hmm. you can think of a million false stories that people tell themselves that yeah. just just constantly derail themselves from their true authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the sad part is if we all are in, in the way I view the world, we are all a beautiful spark of light, just in mm-hmm. a different, just in different bodies, right? Um, yeah. And if that's true, that's the true part. Then, then each each body, each each embodiment of that spark or spirit, it's 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 its own authentic expression of that spirit. And it's different. My expression mm-hmm. of that same spirit is different than your expression of it, right? Yeah. And if I'm junking my expression of spirit up with false stories, then it can never shine in the unique and beautiful way that it's meant to be yeah. through Carolyn, right? Or And and it's going to be different how it shines through Gabriella. And yeah. and so that's, that's the whole thing is if we can even let go just one false story, then I'm one small bit of your unique radiance can break through with each false story you let yourself set yeah. down. Yeah. It allows for that authenticity to just kind of naturally radiate out. Mm-hmm. So would you say that um, really working on self-worth is a big part to diminishing false stories? Yes. Self-worth, it all boils down to being being afraid of being vulnerable it all mm-hmm. boils down to that yeah. and so if you have more self-worth like you said if you believe that you are truly worthy to be in this world in your most authentic self then of course you're going to have less trouble you know being authentic and, and you're going to have more ability to overcome that fear of being vulnerable yeah um, so yeah a, a big part of it boils down to that yeah and i think oneness comes to play in that a lot too like you were saying enough like where did we even get the version of enough because we're comparing so once we level out that playing field of we are all just a bunch of different lights and vibrations and energy bubbles floating around it creates a level of okay we're all on the same same playing field there isn't i'm better or i'm worse and there's no there's not that ego out there blocking anything and I think that that also contributes so much to your own self-worth because you're focused on, you know, we're all one. I, I want to help myself because when I help myself, I help everyone else. And that's something else that I saw you mentioned. I'm pretty sure in the in the YouTube video, you said when you're asking for guidance, you're asking what is best for not just you, but to yeah. everyone around you. Yeah. And right now, I think so heavily in our culture, it's a lot of scared people that are trying to be hyper independent because of being hurt so now it's all doing things solely for yourself and i do think a big part of life is nourishing you but i also think it is important to ask what is the best for everyone in this situation so i really loved how you talked about that yes that's i call it um, benevolent intentionality so Mm -hmm. benevolent benevolence like moving through the world with kindness and generosity and goodness and then intentionality you're intentionally setting your your sights on outcomes that are for the Mm -hmm. best and highest good and and sometimes the best and highest good is not easy it's the it's you're going to disappoint some people 
but mm -hmm. that's not what we're talking about. It still can be for the best and highest good, even if it's not right or yeah. quote unquote bad for someone else. Nope. Yeah. It or or even if it's really uncomfortable, like it's for the best and highest good that I do this thing that seems really uncomfortable on the surface, but I just know it's for the, the mm -hmm. right reasons. And so maybe my parents are going to be disappointed or my, you know, my significant other is going to not really want to hang out with me anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that might be the case. That's the chips may fall where they may fall. But if you're remaining true, then the outcomes are for the best and highest good. Because when, when we are moving through the world in our most authentic ways. Mm -hmm. I personally think I was just talking about this with my mom. I personally think that is the best gift we can give the world. Because mm -hmm. if, if, if I come to Gabriella with my most authentic self, that some that speaks to some part of you that also is your most authentic self and potentially allows you to meet me on that level. Yeah. Right. But if we meet on the level of fake you know, and nobody's really talking about the things that are real, then mm -hmm. we're going to stay at that fake mental level. And yeah. our, our true spirits might recognize each other, but they're never going to get to know each other because we have to communicate through the limitations of humanity. And if we're always staying in that falseness, then we never greet anyone from that place yeah. of authenticity. Um, so yeah, I always think, well, you can't really change another human, but you can be authentic in the world and you never know how that will relate with another human that mm -hmm. could change the world. So, yeah. 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 I think one, one of the most important things that you mentioned is um, like kind of accepting the, the discomfort that might come with it. And if we all just recognize that we're all put in very uncomfortable positions all the time, then we're just going to be more comfortable. And that's something that I always do in my yoga classes is, I like to teach yin yoga, which is um, staying in a pose for a longer period of time, which is a deep stretch and just kind of like breathing through it. So it's kind of uncomfortable, nice. um, especially because your emotions are so stored in your body. And one of my favorite parts about it is helping people work through, this is uncomfortable, but so many other things in life have been uncomfortable at one point. So how am I gonna transform the discomfort into comfort by just yeah. being with it and seeing it and uncovering it and not, not shying away from it? because it's such a place where you are with the sensation. You aren't with your phone. You're not with anything on the outside to distract. You're just with it. So let's take this time to just make it comfortable. Let's just embrace everything with comfort and with life and with a hug instead of this like cold, harsh energy. Yes. And your, your analogy of the yoga stretch is perfect because, okay, you're holding them in the stretch. It's uncomfortable. And you're telling them, trust me just hold hold it hold it through the discomfort you know it's not pain it's discomfort mm -hmm. and then at the end of that stretch i'm sure it's like oh that yes. feels so good and yeah. it's such a perfect analogy stay with the discomfort stay with it stay with it and then yeah. at the end oh my god you're this is so much better right yeah yeah beautiful analogy a physicalized expression of what we're talking about mm -hmm. is staying with discomfort and at the end looking back and being like oh my god that was so worth it yeah, <laughs> it yeah. So worth it. it's like this deep exhalation of relief and that's yeah. you get it in yoga and physicality and you get it in life when you mm -hmm. sit with that discomfort and work through it yeah that's great yeah. 
And then once people start to work through it, then it all comes back to self-worth. Because then you're like, oh, I can do it. I believe in myself. I can do it. <laughs> you're gathering data to trust yeah. time when when it when it gets uncomfortable. You're like, wait a minute, I did this before and it worked out okay. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what are your personal practices that you kind of do throughout the day, if you do any, that kind of just ground you, center you, make you feel more aligned and comfortable with yourself, if there are any that you want to share? Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not a huge traditional meditator, but mm -hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of it for people who who like that traditional style of meditation. But my meditation almost always involves physical movement. Mm -hmm. So like this morning, I wake up really early, just naturally, and I love the early morning. And that's my time to really connect with um, spirit or whatever. And so um, like this morning, I got all geared up to ride my bicycle. I was about to leave the house at 530 and it was starting to rain. So I was like, okay, mm -hmm. change my plans. And so I, I went on my back porch and I rode on my rowing machine. And it's basically just moving. And usually I listen to music and I have a, an artist I listen to all the time. Her name is Snatan Poor. And mm -hmm. um, she just, I put that music on. I have this huge like eight or nine hour playlist of all her songs. It just shuffles around on Spotify. And it just puts me into that place of what am I asking for? You know, what am I needing from this day? What is, what, what do I need to do for this day? And what, mm -hmm. by that I well, how am I supposed to get out of the way so spirit can move through me and however this day needs to yeah. work? Um, and then throughout the day, I, this sounds, it, I don't have a practice per se, but I'm conscious of what I'm doing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to, um, I try, I'm very efficient and very organized. I get a lot done, but I also try to always be aware, oh, am I, is this the right Thing or is this the right thing? Or I'm constantly checking in and 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 feeling what is the next way to go. And that sounds cumbersome and ridiculous. Because no, sometimes, no, I'm, no. sometimes I'm just doing tasks and these things need to get done because I'm a professor, I'm busy, I have lots of things going on. But but there's always room for taking a moment and feeling into, oh, should I just wait a few minutes before I answer that email? Oh no, just go for it. It's no big deal. Um mm -hmm. that makes sense. So it's just a constant awareness that you don't have to simply be on autopilot. You can be constantly checking in and feeling in and yeah. questioning your thoughts and questioning your stories. Um, but mostly, yeah, my practice is I love to move and I love to be in nature. Um, I love to like just walk on the beach even or, um, you know, connect with other people or just watch the sunset. A lot of my practices are kind of solitary. But, mm -hmm. it, but it allows me then to be present in the world and, um, yeah. you know, in the way that I need to be. Um, and yeah, and I, and I get so much joy from those movement practices. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And riding my bike and it's just pure joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's awesome for people to hear, especially if they're like feeling that pressure of what practice do I need to do? Because right now I think so many people are at least the people that come to my yoga classes that are beginners or even just people that I meet through social media are like, I can never meditate. Like I'm not going to sit there for 10 minutes in that pose. And they picture the average, you know, meditative position in the yeah. your hands in a mudra, a sitting cross leg. Yeah. But I'm like, there's no recipe for you. Like there's no, or there is a recipe for you. There's no one size fits all for any sort of practice. 
at all. Like what works for me may be totally different than what works for the next person. Some people love a walking meditation. Some people love to lie down. I did um, a personalized meditation course for um, one of my moms or one of my friend's moms. And she was like, but I need to be grounded, but I don't like sitting in a chair to meditate. So what am I going to do? I'm like, lay down. Like there is, you don't have to do what these places maybe, you know, urging you to do, you know, it's, I took um, a meditation course in college. And one of the best things that I was ever told from the facilitator was you're not going to get a good meditation if you're uncomfortable. So, because we're all sitting there and he sees us like kind of fidgeting and moving. I know my hips are, are not, they're not going to work in that pose. They're just not, I'm going to be fidgeting, moving, uncomfortable. And he was like, lie down like this practice is about you and and like your journey inward why are you feeling discomfort within you're just going to start a battle that was like the best piece of advice and I think that that's awesome for you to even just share you you're not doing that you're doing it in your way the way that fits you and that's beautiful and I think inspiring for people to hear as well Mm -hmm. I really love that I'm not I'm not affiliated with any tradition. I barely know mm-hmm. anything about the traditions. Like I tell you, I listen to Snatum I listen to Snatum Kaur and Krishna Das a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't know any, I don't know really anything about the traditions they come from. All I know is the music speaks to me. And there's something about yeah. the freedom of just it's so simple. Just do what feels authentically right. If that's yeah. right, quite great. If that's going to yoga, that's great. If it's sitting, if it's standing, if it's lying on the floor, whatever it is yeah. that allows. And and the thing too is to give people permission to find whatever it w- works for them to, to mm-hmm. tune into their guidance and then give them permission to cultivate those behaviors. People are like, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to ride my bicycle or go for a walk. Okay. Well then you're choosing to be disconnected because you mm-hmm. know that that behavior cultivates a deeper connection with yourself. Yeah. So, so make that a help, make that a priority. Maybe then you drop a TV show that you don't, that isn't feeding your soul and you spend mm-hmm. that time, you know, doing the thing, whatever the thing is that yeah. helps you connect more deeply with yourself. And it can be, it doesn't have to be a this huge time commitment. It can be whatever you have time for, like throughout the day, mm-hmm. moments of just pausing and reconnecting. That's sometimes mm-hmm. plenty for people to keep them energized and grounded yeah. or whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much more, uh, progress that can be had if you take that second during the day to check in to take that yeah. breath to be like oh I, I need to see what i want to do i need to see what i'm meant to do right now Instead what i'm meant to through what yes. I'm meant to do yeah to do i love yeah. that because that's going with the flow of your life rather than resisting the flow mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when you resist yeah. that's when you start getting the punches in the face uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and i will say one more thing too some people are on this planet and they're not really interested in learning these lessons. And that's totally fine too. That yeah. is just as whatever path anyone is on is exactly the right path for them. And they'll mm-hmm. they'll either hear the message this way or they'll hear it some other way. These messages are so universal. I mean, we're mm-hmm. speaking the same language and, and they're ancient and they're everywhere. They're all across, you know, popular culture. Um, I like to talk about Anna and Frozen 2 when she thinks Elsa's dead and, mm-hmm. you know, Olaf's dead and she, she sings that song and it's basically, you know, um, 
make hear the voice, make the choice, and do the next right thing. That's what she's mm-hmm. talking about guidance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Guidance. And, and Luke Skywalker, Field of Force Luke. I mean, it's all over the place. Yeah. So these aren't hard concepts. These aren't crazy concepts. These aren't even out there. They're everywhere. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, and yeah, there's no wrong way to do it or approach yeah. it. Yeah, I love that. My my final big question for you um, is, is if you were standing on a stage with like the full attention of the world, what would you say? Everyone can see you and they're attentive, like they're truly listening to you. If you had a message to deliver, what would it be? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Just trust yourself. Trust that beautiful spark of radiant light that's in you, calling to you and guiding mm-hmm. you and giving you so much good information. Trust, trust that. And 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 you can't really go wrong. Just yeah. trust it. Listen to it and trust it. Over and over. Maybe a thousand times a day you have to trust yeah. it. I, I think of life. There's this beautiful waterfall that my son and I love. It's called Comet Falls. It's on Mount Rainier. And I've been there a million times. And every time it's just flowing down mm-hmm. across this huge granite base. And that's what it is. It's every single moment can be a trust fall, just falling yeah. down, trusting you're going to hit the river below every time. Trusting that that what your guidance is telling you can be heard and followed and loved and trusted nurtured and so yeah trust (laughs) oh i love that and i love the waterfall comparison that's just nature has so much to speak that's something that i'm sure you the expert in all of this know for a fact that nature is literally a resemblance of our world, our internal world. It shows us all the messages that we need to see, whether we're seeing it through a waterfall or the sky or through the moon and the sun. The universe is, we are one with the universe. We are literally going through the same motions. And I think that it's awesome that you see that in the waterfall and that you also get to incorporate, you know, your nature work and your spiritual work together and kind of find that flow. really nice it's really nice they're very interconnected i 100 percent agree yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, i want to say thank you so much for this thank conversation you. i've been so giddy waiting for this i'm, like, thank you. I'm, happy. I'm <laughs> so happy that i got to discover you too and, and share this time yeah. with you it's lovely um, thank you i appreciate it um where can any listeners find you um, so you can go to the website guidancegroove.com. Um, you were talking about it a little bit. Um, also, just Google Carolyn Curley. My last name is um, K-U-R-L-E, but there are no Carolyn Curleys. <laughs> Super <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> and then um, I'm on LinkedIn also. Um, I don't do Twitter. Um, I stopped doing Facebook years ago, but um, you can easily find me through the website guidancegroove.com. And awesome. um, yeah, anyone feels like getting in touch, there's a form on the website if people want to sign up for the for the um for an email when the book comes out it comes out early february and um, everything's finalized we're getting it all ready to publish and it's super exciting Mm -hmm. and and as you're moving on if you if you're moving on with your book eventually if you ever need any um like a little bit extra illumination on the map oh (laughs) yes to get in touch yeah please thank you so much i appreciate that because i've I've gotten all the 
all the juice in the book. It's just more so the editing and the formatting and all that fun stuff, which I'm sure you you understand that part. Yeah. And all that, but oh, good yeah. things coming to both of us. I am yes, so absolutely. grateful. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a nice guided rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me. Bye. Bye. Bye.